Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Um, how many of you have ever been robbed before? Has anyone ever been robbed? Gosh, I wish I could hear all your stories. I love stories about robberies. Well, we had a robbery. I just think they're interesting. Does anybody watch, oh, what's that show called? Forensic Files. I love Forensic Files. It's such a fun show. It's not fun, though, when you're watching it alone in a hotel room. That's scary. Um, but we were robbed a couple years ago, my parents' house. We came back from a movie, and the TV was on, and it was blaring music so loud. And I mean so loud. And so um, we were like, what happened? What's going on? And we look at the TV, and under the TV, there's a cabinet. And the cabinet is open, and the stereo box is pulled out. And so the whole family's thinking this through. We're like, okay, what happened? This is a crime scene. This is our big forensic files moment. Let's figure this whole thing out. Dad's looking for things on the floor. We were so pumped. And my mom goes, I got it. I know what happened. Now, if you need to know anything about the Barnett family, we are dog people. We are the biggest dog people. We have Great Danes. We've probably had about six or seven different Great Danes in the past like 15 years. We love Great Danes because we love the squish. We love the squish. We love the love. We love to sleep with them. They are like our worlds. And so here's what my mom said. She goes, I got it. I know what happened. The dogs wanted to turn on the TV. She's dead serious. And it turned on really loud and they didn't know how to turn the volume down. So they went to the cabinet and they pulled out the stereo and tried to disconnect it because they were so panicked. And we're staring at my mom like, you have so much faith in these dogs. And she goes, look, I'm serious. She's talking to my dad. The dogs pulled out the stereo. They know that's where the sound comes from. They're trying to disconnect it. And he said, Angel, it's so good you're pretty. <laughs> it was obvious what happened there, right? There was a robbery. You know, many of us are very concerned about robbery. We have locks on our doors, locks on our windows, surveillance systems, insurance policies to protect us should something of ours be stolen because we're concerned about theft, and you should be concerned about theft, not just in the physical world, but also in the spiritual world. Because the Bible says that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's sole purpose in his life is to rip you off. And I know in a crowd this size, many of you have been ripped off. Many of you, maybe you've been ripped off of your peace and you're always living in turmoil. It's miserable to be in your mind. Maybe you've been ripped off of your joy. You're sad all the time. You're disturbed. You're clinically depressed. Maybe you've been ripped off of your purpose. You don't know why you're here, where you're going, or what to do next. Maybe you've been ripped off of a relationship. There's a, a breach between husband and wife, mother and son, father and daughter. Or maybe you're a single person in here and you feel that husband or wife potential husband or wife has been stolen from you by somebody else. Maybe there's a friendship that's been stolen from you. Maybe you feel like your opportunities were stolen from you. 
Maybe you thought that you had a job promotion coming your way, a raise coming your way, and somebody else got it. You feel like that opportunity was ripped out from underneath you. Maybe your innocence was stolen from you. Maybe you've been through a trauma of some kind. Maybe somebody has done something unthinkable to you and you feel that you can never get that innocence back in your life. Or maybe you feel your prosperity was taken from you. God gave you so many resources and things happened in life and now they're gone and you're struggling just to make ends meet. Today, many of you have been robbed in different ways. But today I want to show you how you can go get it back. Whatever was taken from you, it's not gone. It's still there. And I'm going to teach you today how you can claim your spiritual rights and go get it back. Ladies at Cherish, I know you heard this message yesterday, but oftentimes when you go home from a conference or an amazing experience from God, the devil's first step is to try to steal back the victory that you got at conference. And you know what? I had a whole other message planned for day. I didn't feel right about it. I wanted to speak this word because I also know our men need to hear this word. Our men have some things that they need to go and reclaim in their lives. And I have a really great testimony that happened just three weeks ago that I can't wait to share with you. I didn't get to share it yesterday, so I'm so excited. So we're going to dive right into the Old Testament book of uh, 1 Samuel 30. So let's dive right in. So Saul has become jealous of David. David is now on the run. He runs to the forest. He forms this little community called Ziglag. And let's dive right in, verse 1 to 2. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day. They were gone. They were out doing who knows what. That the Amalekites had made a raid on Ziglag and had overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. So everything is fine in David's world. David has a great little community. He's the king of this community. He loves this community. He decides to go out and do something, looking to join a Philistine army or whatever. And while he was gone, a raid has taken place on his world. And everything that he cared about, everything that was important to him has been completely destroyed. We're talking utter destruction. His wives are gone. His kids are gone. His house is burned to the ground. We're talking a disaster area. Has anyone ever been there before? where life just looks like a disaster area. I'm not talking about when you lose something that's easily replaceable. I'm talking about utter destruction, when your world is caving in on you, when your hopes and your dreams have been completely shattered and you cry until you cannot cry anymore. You see, David, it says in verse three or four that he and his men wept until they could not weep anymore that they lifted their voices and they just didn't even have the strength to cry anymore. Has anybody ever cried like that before? Where there's no more tears left in your tear ducts to discharge because you've just cried until there is no more strength in you to cry. Well, that's where David and his men are. And it gets worse for David because in verse six, it says this, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons 
and his daughters. So you already can't cry anymore. Your home, your life, your family has been ripped out from underneath you. And now your friends want to freaking murder you? This is just a terrible situation for David. They're saying, David, if you wouldn't have taken us out from our home, we would have been home. We could have protected our wives. We could have protected our children. And they get embittered against David. How many of you know when we get bitter, we just love to take it out on the wrong people? We blame the easiest person to blame. We get mad at our sister, mad at our husband, mad at our wife, mad at that coworker who got that raise and you didn't instead of getting bitter at the devil. How come we never hear people say, I'm actually bitter at the devil? We always hear them say, I'm just really bitter at my sister. I'm really bitter at my friend. Why don't you find out who the real enemy is, get bitter at him because he may be working through them. They may be the Amalekites in your life. So let's find out the real reason for why you've been ripped off from that which God wants you to have. So here's our issue. We've got a rip off. David is in a really, really dark place. And so if you today are in a dark place, you, you've been stolen from, your joy is gone, your peace is gone, your family is gone, your husband, your wife, your career, your well-being, and so on and so on and so on. What can we actually do to get it back? How do we reclaim this? Well, we're told what to do at the end of verse six. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me David's got nothing left in his life? He's isolated. He's all alone. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The reason David had to strengthen himself in God was because there was nobody else around him to strengthen him. He's on an island all by himself. And you know things have gotten really bad in your life when there's nobody to turn to except God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, David didn't strengthen himself with some Jack Daniels. David didn't strengthen himself with some needles. David didn't strengthen himself with a new man or a new woman. David didn't strengthen himself with a shopping spree at Nordstrom. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And if you really want to understand the book of Psalms, a lot of the book of Psalms is just David strengthening himself in the Lord. Psalms 42, one says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become so disturbed within me? Hope in God. He's talking to himself, but he's doing it in the presence of God. I want you to look at David's psychological makeup right now. He's lost everything he could ever lose. He's cried until he can cry no more. And everybody around him wants to murder him. He's depressed. He's clinically depressed. But instead of allowing that depression to drag him away from the presence of God, he says, no, depression, you come with me. Feelings, you come with me. Pain and sorrow, you come with me. So I know you're disturbed and you're broken and you're hurting, but you're gonna come with me into the presence of God and not the other way around because I'm gonna be recharged by the Lord. You know, anyone with an iPhone, they dread hearing this sound. Oh, I hate that sound. Don't you hate that sound? What does that sound mean? Your phone's about to die. 
And when I hear that sound, immediately I know I'm about to lose the connection I need to stay connected. So that means I need to go home and I need to plug that phone into the power base so that I can be recharged. Friends, when the batteries of your life begin to shut down, when your hopes and dreams are shattered, when the devil has taken everything that you care about away from you, all that means is you need to get back to the power base and recharge yourself in the Lord. I want to tell you, don't give up on God when it looks like everything else is giving up on you. Just don't give up on God. So David strengthens himself in the Lord. And he gets back what he lost on the inside before he ever gets back what he lost on the outside. Because two things were taken from David. Not only the exterior was taken, his spirit was taken as well. And the devil knows if he can take your spirit, then he can get you to stay stuck where you're at. But God gave David back his spirit. But David did something else as well. It says in verse seven, he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. So we've got to talk about this ephod. He first went, David first went to the priest. That was his first move, the priest. He didn't first go to Dr. Google. He didn't first go check the bank account and see how much money was left. He didn't first consult the legal authorities. No, he first went to the priest because the priest had the ephod. Now, the ephod is a garment that the priest would wear when they pursued going into the presence of God. So when a priest needed direction on a certain predicament going on in his life, he would put on an ephod to get direction from God. So David goes to this priest and he says, give me your ephod, priest, because I've got an issue and I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. I need an ephod. I need a rhema word. I need direction from God himself. You see, there's only so much that a preacher can do. We can't do much, but what we can do is teach you how to put on an ephod of your very own. A lot of times, Everybody at church wants other people because of their positions to give direction from God in their life when God says, no, 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 I want to deal with you directly. So learn to put on your own ephod and learn to hear from me yourself. Well, then in verse 8, it says this, after he put the ephod on, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? What is he saying here? He's saying, should I take down these thugs who have ripped me off? And if I do, will I succeed? Why is he asking this question? Because David's saying, I don't have time to waste here. I need to go directly to the source because I don't know what to do and I need some specific direction in my life. Is it north? Is it south? Is it east? Is it west? Tell me what to do, God. Friends, when the enemy has ripped you off and you don't know where to go, who to ask, and no one seems to be able to tell you what to do, that's because God wants to be the only one who tells you what you ought to do in this situation. Let me say this. When you don't know what to do, it's an opportunity to discover God on a deeper level. Because when you've been ripped off and you don't know where to go, you don't just pray vague little prayers anymore. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. 
Lord Jesus, bless this food to my body. In Jesus' name, amen. No, when you've been ripped off and you're in pain and you don't know what to do, you start getting serious about God. You start praying some real deep prayers, kind of like this little kid right here. I love this kid. typical blessing. He needed a rhema word from God. And when you're in pain, when you're in need, you don't want to just hear another sermon. You don't just want to read another book. No, you say, I need a prophetic word. I need a rhema word. I need an utterance from God for myself. So I'm putting on my ephod and I'm going to start getting real with God. You know, when you're hurting and something's been stolen from you, you don't want to just do business as usual. So you don't just do business as usual with God. And God knows sometimes that if some things don't happen in your life that aren't ideal, then you're just going to stay shallow. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Yay! No, but when things happen in your life, you learn how to actually inquire of the Lord. You learn how to go deeper with the Lord. It's an opportunity to discover God on a deeper level than you ever have before. Well, God responds in verse 8, and he said to him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and you shall surely rescue all. So what is God's first word there? Pursue. See, David waited and inquired on the Lord, but when he got the word pursue, he had to actually get up, get on his horse, and go and pursue. You know, I found that people tend to operate in one of two extremes. The first group of people are just the inquirers, but never the pursuers. Lord, I really want a job. Lord, help me find a job. And he says, okay, pursue. Lord, I really want a job. Help, they never go job hunting. And then the other group is like, Lord, I want to know you better. Why doesn't God speak to me? He speaks to everybody else but me. And God's like, okay, pursue. And then they never open up their Bible. They never come to men's and women's prayer. They never show up to church. And then the other extreme are people who are always living on their horse, looking for something that they don't even know what's been taken from them. They're just running in circles saying something's been stolen. Better find it. And they never inquire of God where to actually find it. So they've wasted days, weeks, months, years, decades. And if they just would have inquired of the Lord, they would know where to look. Listen, going into God's presence is not a waste of time. It saves time. David knew he had to move fast and he didn't want to waste time. So he inquired of the Lord and he didn't inquire just generally. No, he inquired specifically. He says, what do I do about my specific situation? Oh God. 
And the great news is this, is God's always got a specific word with your name on it. The general word is the Bible. We all need to know the general word, but sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes we need a rhema word. We need God to instill something prophetic into our spirit. When you come to church, you're hearing the national news. But sometimes you need some local news in your life. You need to know what's happening near you. And that's what a rhema word is. That's what the personal utterance of God is. So you need some local news in your life. And you get that by inquiring of the Lord. So God says in verse 8, pursue for you shall surely overtake them. Listen, that's insufficient information. David's like, okay, but where? God still didn't tell him where, who, and what. But I've found that God rarely gives all the data up front. He just doesn't work that way. For example, everything we need to know in the Bible is not told in Genesis 1. The Bible was written over 1,600 different years by 40 different authors unfolding the great drama that is God. God generally reveals more information as you move with the information that he gives you. In other words, David, if you don't move and pursue right now, more information's not coming your way. A lot of us are sitting around waiting for more. We're like that meme on TikTok, more, more, more. And we haven't even done anything with the sum. Look, if God wants you to know a little bit, then a little bit is all that he wants you to know right now because he wants you to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. So you better obey what there is to obey and then more will be coming your way. So God says pursue. And then he adds, for you shall overtake them and you shall rescue all. That sounds like a promise of God to me. Now promises of God are beautiful because they tell you the what. But what the promises of God don't tell you are the how. And that frustrates a lot of people. They're like, oh, I've been told I'm gonna have this job. I've been told this is coming, but they don't know the how. That's why if you ask me, Aubrey, how is this gonna happen? I can't tell you. Because the beauty of God is that he does things millions of different ways. He doesn't do the same thing twice. A testimony is meant to encourage you in the what, that miracles of God are still happening in our world, but they're not meant to tell you the how. So God gives David a promise. He says, you're going to get it back. And David gets on his horse along with hundreds of men, and they're looking for who knows who, who knows what, and who knows where. And here's what it says. Now they found an Egyptian in the field, it's kind of random, and brought him to David and gave him bread and he ate, and they provided him water to drink, for he had not eaten or drinking for three days and three nights. So they've been out looking for some sort of clue, and this random little Egyptian boy shows up along the way, and they give him a cliff bar, they give him some liquid IV, they revive his spirit, and David says to him, to whom do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the Negev and on that which belongs to Judah and the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag to the ground. I'm sure David's listening to this like, oh, no, you 
didn't. You mean to tell me that I'm on my journey to recovering all that was taken from me, and I happened to stop out of the goodness of my heart to minister to somebody who was worse off than me, and as chance would have it, this little boy is a part of the terrorist group that burned my hometown to the ground, as luck would have it. See, God knows how to hook a brother up. God knows how to hook a sister up if she will just move in the direction that God wants them to move. And something that looks like it had no relationship to the issue becomes the solution to the issue. If David would have just stayed home praying, Lord, make a way out of no way. Oh, Lord, you're my bright and you're my morning star. David would have still been there today praying, but because he pursued and he got on his horse, he was able to find a miracle along the way. A lot of people are waiting around for God to bring it and God's saying, no, you bring it. You get on your horse. You get back and get back what the enemy has stolen from you. Now, this as David pursued, God gave him not only the information of who did it, but he gives him a bonus. He gives him a guide. Then David said to him, will you bring me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring you down to this band. Do you see what's happening here? On the way of David finding his blessing, God gives him an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. Everybody is coming to church these days looking for a blessing while walking over opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else. If David wasn't willing to give him some food and give him some water, if he would have just said, ugh, it's a helpless little Egyptian boy. I've got bigger things to worry about. He would have missed out on an angel unaware. And the Bible says that God plants angels unaware all around us strategically to be blessings, to be the voice of God in our life. That's why we can't just discard people because they don't look the part. That's why you can't just discard people because they look a little weak, a little hungry, maybe a little needy because they just may be the voice of God in your life to help you get back what the devil has taken from you. Well, here we go. This is where it gets good. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread over all the land, the Amalekites, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Okay, watch this. The Amalekites are having a party but they're having a party with everybody else's stuff. They're having a good old time dancing, grooving, raving. I mean, they're, they're having the best time of their life with everybody else's stuff. Well, I'm sorry to break it to you, but the devil's having a really good time with your stuff. He's having a good time with your joy, your marriage, your children, your relationships. Him and all the unholy people are having a great time with your stuff. So you better get ticked off about it. Get on your horse and go steal back what the devil has taken away from you. And it says that David slaughtered them all because some things you're not going to get back in life without a fight. David slaughtered them from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them had escaped except for 400 men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and he rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoiled or anything that they had taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So don't miss this. Even though the enemy had it, it was still there. 
It was just in the wrong location. If you've been ripped off of your hope, it's still there. It's just displaced. If you've been ripped off of your dream and your opportunities, it's still there. You just haven't caught it yet. If you've been ripped off of your purpose, it's still there. If you've been ripped off of your peace, it's still there. If you've been ripped off of your child, he or she is still there. Because we're told at the beginning of the story that yes, it was taken, but none of it was killed. It was just in the wrong place. And now it's up to you to go and get it back. Here's what I didn't get to share at Cherish the other day. I have a really cool testimony just three weeks ago. Uh, a miracle in my life took place. About two and a half, three years ago, I was in a pretty big accident. Um, and through that accident, they incidentally discovered that I have what's called a Chiari malformation at the base of my brain. So your brain kind of rounds off at the bottom. They said mine would kind of sag into my neck. It was like I had a, a, a sagging brain. And so, you know, all these words were spoken over me like, you're going to have a shortened life lifespan. You're a very sick little girl. I met with many different neurosurgeons, many different neurologists, did all the tests. Two years of my life was spent trying to discover what to do about this, this brain condition. And it's so sad how you don't think about your health until something bad happens to you. It's like it felt like in one day, I get into this accident and my peace is stolen from me, my health is stolen from me, my hope for my future is stolen from me, just like that. It felt like a raid had taken place on my world. And so I two years of, of pushing through this, getting more and more discouraged. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to go to another doctor. I'm done. I'm just going to accept the last doctor I heard. He said, you're going to be here every year getting MRIs, getting checkups. We're going to keep trying to see. We may want to do brain surgery, shave the back of your head, open it up. I mean, it is just wild, absolutely wild. How did this happen in the matter of just a couple hours? <laughs> An accident has changed everything. It was like oblivion was bliss. I wish I could go back to oblivion. And so during that time, I found my spirit getting really discouraged. And so I didn't want to inquire of the Lord. I felt like I was going to just accept that word, move on. This is just my life now. And our church went into a season called 21 Days of Prayer. And for 21 days, we just pursued, we inquired of the Lord. I put on my own ephod and I just began to dig into God. And I'm like, God, is this the word you want me to accept? Is this it? Is, is it gone? Should I go back after it? It seems like there's no way this thing could be healed or this whole situation could change. And, and along the way, I found that there were people in my life that would come up to me more than ever saying, I've got this condition, I've got this need. And it's like, God, why are you bringing this to people to me right now when I'm hurting? This is a time for me to focus on me, God. But I found that those were angels unaware in my life. And as I prayed for other people for healing, as I blessed other people in my turmoil, I found that my spirit was encouraged and my spirit was revived. And I, I got the word, one more doctor, just one more doctor. I said, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And so I got pregnant and I was told then that now because you're pregnant, not only are we worried about your brain issue, we're worried about how to deliver this baby. 
we don't know how to deliver this baby because we don't want you doing natural birth. There's a, with contractions in your head. That's too much pressure. We don't want to give you an epidural because it's a spinal fluid issue. We don't want you to have a C-section. So we actually think we're going to give you anesthesia and a very deep kind of anesthesia, knock your entire body out, intubate you, and we're going to get this baby out extremely quickly. I'm like, oh my gosh, not only did it feel like my life was taken away from me, now this new exciting season is being stolen from me. And I got a word, just pursue one more doctor, one more doctor. And so I got on my horse. I found one more neurosurgeon. I said, you know what? Fine, fine. I'll just do it. And I gave him all the information. And I said, all right, here's what I'm looking for, doctor. What mode of birth do you want me to do? That's all I care about. Just tell me how to have this baby whatever. I had no hope for anything else. And he walked into the room and he said to me, why are you here? I'm not concerned about you at all. He goes, in fact, I wouldn't even classify you as someone who has a Chiari malformation. He goes, I looked at your pictures. You're fine. He goes, there's so much room in your skull. He goes, go back and live your life like this never even happened. I'm so sorry they took so many years of your joy away from you. He said, go have your baby. Go live your life. Don't you ever come back to a neurosurgeon again. He goes, I'm dealing with 80-year-olds. Tell me why a 25-year-old is sitting in my office crying about her life. He goes, go. It was a 10-minute appointment. And he said, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. First doctor to say, I'm so sorry that they took so much from you. And in that moment, I said, you just gave so much back to me. I just feel like I just went and got it all back. I just want to declare to you that you can get it all back. What looked so dead in my life, God was able to revive. And I got back more than I ever could have imagined I would get back because it says that David not only recovered everything that was taken from him, he recovered everything that was taken from the cities all around him. I never imagined I was going to be released from the whole condition. I was just hoping maybe I could have my baby like a normal person. And then you're telling me now I get to live my life and forget that this ever happened? This happened three weeks ago, and I'm just on such a total Jesus high and excited about my newfound freedom. So I wanted to share that with you, and I wanted to encourage you today. Don't accept that doctor's report. Don't accept that word over your life. Don't accept that that job opportunity is gone. God has exceedingly and abundantly more for you than you ever could have imagined. You're not going to just even reclaim what was taken. You're going to get back more than what was taken. I close with a really quick story. In one of the very early versions of Jack and the Beanstalk, Jack and his mother are living in an English cottage outside the countryside. And it says that the garden had become, become uh, vacant and the, the milk's cow had become, the cow of the milk had become, the milk of the cow, the milk of the cow. First service was burglary. I still can't say it. Burglary, burglary. How do you say it? Burglary. I have never been able to say that word. The cow of the milk, the milk of the cow had become pregnancy brain. Milk of the cow had become weak. So Jack says, the mother says to Jack, take the cow and sell the cow. Take him to the butcher. We need food, Jack. He says, sell the cow, ma. She says, yes, yeah, sell the cow. 
get what you can. So Jack reluctantly takes his favorite little cow and he walks him to the butcher. And along the way, an elderly man says to him, what are you doing with that cow, young man? He says, well, I'm taking him to the butcher. I've got to get some food. We're dying. He says, well, I've got three beans for you. Can I have your cow? He says, what am I going to do with three beans? He says, no, no, Jack, these are magic beans. And Jack says, okay, trades the cow, takes the magic beans and goes home to Ma. He says, Ma, you're not going to believe it. I got three magic beans. Ma's ticked off. She goes, magic beans? Those are just beans, Jack. You've been ripped off. So Jack goes to bed that night. He's mad and he looks at his beans and he says, oh, I've been ripped off. Throws them out the window. He wakes up the next morning and he sees that a giant beanstalk has sprouted right outside his window. And he, cl he climbs that beanstalk all the way into the clouds and he sees a giant castle. And a fairy godmother shows up to Jack and says, Jack, do you see that castle? That castle belonged to your father. Your father was a knight and the giant came and killed your father and took your castle and everything in it. And Jack said, that's my castle? She goes, that's your castle, Jack. So Jack sneaks into the castle and he hides in the closet and he peeks out and he sees a whole basket full of golden eggs. He said, hey, those are my eggs. And then he sees the giant come out with a hen and he says, give me an egg. And the hen pops out a golden egg. And Jack says, that's my hen. And then he watches as the giant pulls out a giant harp and starts to play it. He says, wait a second, that's my harp because that harp belongs to my father and I'm my father's son. That's my harp. And so he watches as that giant falls asleep and he's biding his time. And he sneaks out of the closet. He grabs the basket of eggs. He grabs the hen. He grabs the harp and he makes a run for it. And the giant hears a squawk from the hen and he wakes up and he says, fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I will grind him with my teeth and make him my own bread. So Jack makes a run for it. He runs down the beanstalk and he chops the beanstalk down at the bottom and the giant falls. He breaks his neck and, giant, and then Jack has reclaimed all that belonged to him and his father. Well, I need to let you know today that there is another tree that connects heaven and earth. There is another tree that connects heaven, glory and history. There is another tree because it says in John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He says, I am the one that you climb. I am the one that you embrace. And if you will take the faith risk to go after me, I will take you to safety and I will help you get back all that was taken from your family. And when you get to the bottom of that beanstalk and you chop it down and you show that devil you can't take from me anymore, you'll be able to say, fee, fi, fo, fum. I have the blood of God's only begotten son. Be he alive or be be he dead, I have the one who's my eternal prayer. So friends, today, you can go get it back. Whatever was taken from you, go get it back. Get on your horse and get back your joy. You go back and get your hope. You go back and you get your family. You go back and get your joy. You go back and get your wife. You go back and get your husband. You go back and get your health. You go back and you get your life back. 
I just want to pray for you today. If you feel that something's been stolen from you, I just want you to stand to your feet. I feel that there's an anointing in this place. If you feel like, man, my marriage has been stolen from me. The best years of our marriage are gone. It's just whatever at this point. No, the best years of marriage are ahead. We're going to get it back. And God has exceedingly and abundantly more for you in your future than you could ever imagine. Maybe you feel that that promotion was stolen from you. No, you're going to get it back. And you're going to have exceedingly and abundantly more than you ever could have imagined. Maybe you feel my peace, my mind has been taken away from me. No, you're going to get it back. And you're going to get exceedingly and abundantly more peace than you've ever had in your entire life. Maybe you've been given a doctor's report like mine and you're told that your life is pretty much done. This is what it is. You're going to live this way forever. No, you're going to go get it back. And you're not going to die on that word. You're not going to live on that word. You're going to get a new word and that God has a bright and beautiful future for you. So if that's you today, just raise your hands. I want to pray for anybody who feels like they've had something taken from them. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these conquerors in this room. I thank you for these victors in the room, Heavenly Father. I just thank you that they are going to see miracles take place if they will just inquire of the Lord if they will just listen to his word and if they will just be a blessing to somebody else along the way, I know you're going to take them into enemy territory and you're going to help them take back what has been held hostage by the devil for far too long. We are taking it back today. And Lord, I know it takes courage to pursue the word that you give them. It's scary. It's not easy. I didn't want to pursue another doctor. I didn't want to be told again, yeah, you've got a shortened lifespan, but I'm so glad I pursued when you told me to pursue. So Lord, give a word to people today who are searching for you. Help them put on an ephod of their own. Help them get a rhema prophetic word of their own and then give them the courage to pursue that word as they move forward. Lord, we just can't wait to hear the miracles. We just declare it right now that the miracles are here. They're on their way and we thank you in advance that the miracles have already happened. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And then one final thing, one last thing. I don't ever want to get on a pulpit and make sure that I, I don't ever want to miss out on the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus Christ. Uh, my grandfather used to minister a lot in India. And one of these days he just decided on a split notice, I don't have enough time left in the service. I'm not going to do an altar call. That night he went back to his hotel and he looked out his window and the whole city was on fire. Everybody that was in that church that day died. And he thought to himself, never again will I ever get on a pulpit and not give an altar call. It doesn't matter if anybody doesn't raise their hand, at least we gave the opportunity. So if there's anybody here today who says, I don't know Jesus, I want to know Jesus. I want to know this true vine that you talk about that can take me to heaven and glory and history. I just, I want to know this man who wants to help me reclaim all that's been taken from me. Well, he wants to know you today as well. He wants to start a relationship with you. So if that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand. If that's you today, thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray. I, I, even if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. We're going to say this prayer together. And if you say it with a genuine and a repentant heart, the Bible says that in that instant, you'll begin a brand new relationship with him. So believers, let's encourage everybody together as we say this. Dear God, I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. Thank you for what your son did on the cross. Thank you 
that he died for my sins and he rose again. I receive him into my heart right this moment. Thank you that we have a relationship. I can't wait to get to know you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.